And welcome to Land Parties, episode 54 from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Ryan Smith, and with me as always, my co-host, Lucas Egan. What is going on, my friend? Not much. I had a pretty good weekend, celebrated uh, my girlfriend and my anniversary, so we had... a nice dinner, takeout dinner, and uh, just kind of chilled and relaxed, uh, watched some Netflix and all that good stuff. And Ryan, I am ready to celebrate because this episode is practically our official one-year anniversary yes. of Land Parties. So congratulations to us. How was <laughs> your weekend, my friend? <laughs> it was good. It was good. We we chilled. I got housework done. Um, I was, I've been playing this game uh, called Star's End. It's uh, kind of a space survival game i've been enjoying that it's still uh pre-release i think it might be in early access or they're ready they're getting ready to launch into early access but i've been enjoying that other than that just uh hanging out and enjoying the uh cold it's it's, it's cold out here it's, it's supposed to be snowing uh like in the lower elevations out here so we'll see if we get anything that sticks maybe we'll get to go outside and play in the snow a little bit <laughs> Very nice. And you know what? For a very special episode, we needed a very special guest. And it's one that I've been incredibly stoked for. You know him as the man behind games such as John Wick, Hex, and the recently released The Solitaire Conspiracy. Mike Bithel is joining us. Mike, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, yeah. had a nice weekend where I went, you know, two feet over there for most of the weekend. That was fun. (laughs) Um... (laughs) And now I'm back in work mode, so I'm back over here now, and it's good. It's good. It's it's uh, yeah. No, it's been fun. I've uh, I watched some movies and played a lot of Hitman. I've basically just been playing nice. Hitman every second I can get recently. I love that game. It looks clean. Yeah, it, lo- mm. it looks really clean. That's another series, so I kind of feel like, and they've rebooted that series, and I know it looks a lot better than what the the original uh, does. So I, I'm glad like people are re enjoying this story and and this series because Hitman is a solid series. Oh yeah. Hmm. And we are excited to talk to Mike about his games, his career. But before that, we're going to jump into a couple topics. And there was something, Ryan, that gamers definitely did not enjoy last week when Xbox announced very briefly that the price of an Xbox Live Gold membership was doubling, essentially, from 60 to $120 for a year. And then the reaction was so strong that they went back on that. And Ryan, (laughs) that was a pretty crazy story. Like, I don't know why or how they thought that was going to go over well. And I was also then a little bit surprised that they caved right away. (laughs) What is you doing, baby? Come on, Microsoft. I don't know who made this decision. This, this to me, this is like one of the most bizarre moves that they can do. My understanding, Xbox Live Gold gives people the ability to basically play online uh, through the Microsoft service. Here's the deal. If you know about Game Pass, you have Game Pass Ultimate. Xbox Live Gold is included in it. What 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 is the need for gold? I don't understand why they don't take gold, roll gold into uh, Game Pass, right? 
uh, charge the extra five bucks to those that are just paying for the nine, the nine dollar um, uh, Xbox Live Gold. And bada bing, bada boom, you eliminate gold. This seems like they were sitting there trying to get rid of fans and make people angry. It makes absolutely no sense to me. They double the price. You get no free games with it. What are you doing? And then you not only that, but you make that decision. And then the next day you have to go around and and be like, oh, our bad. We didn't realize this was going to make you guys upset. Psych. Uh, it was back to original prices. It, it was just foolish. Whoever, here's the other thing too: is not one person just makes this decision, right? This thing goes through a numerous people, checks and balances, things like that. Hey, is this a good idea? Let's go ahead and move forward with this. So this went through. Uh, you know, I, I just can't, I can't fathom what the thought process behind making this decision was. It made, it made no sense, zero sense whatsoever. I, I I don't know what they're I I don't know how to it's it's weird it's just weird. It it made me think back to the Xbox One days and the, and and when Microsoft was seemingly uh, getting gamers mad at them for every decision they were making. <laughs> I half expected Sony to say we're dropping the price of PS Plus just to kind of <laughs> uh, stick their thumbs at them <laughs> in that moment, but right. um, yeah I don't know it, it super weird decision don't know. It, it was hilarious and kind of sad to see them the next day, as you said, be like, we messed up. Never mind. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, my thing, too, is that, I mean, I feel like Microsoft and Xbox have been making some really, really great moves here the la- over the last year. So to see a major, I mean, I guess it's not major because they went and, and turned it around. But just to do that, make that decision and have that kind of misstep. It, it still really goes to show you that at times I feel like Microsoft is very disconnected from their community and and how they're going to respond. Because to me, you know what I mean? That seems like a no brainer. I'm going to double this thing that has less value than this other thing that we offer. Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like they were trying to lose fans or make fans mad. Like, oh, sorry, you guys. We, we apologize about that. You know, and then that may be an indicator because I feel like, you know, since the new consoles have launched, you really haven't. I, I personally haven't really heard a lot about the uh, uh, next gen Xbox and what people's experiences are and stuff like that. I guess I'm not really looking for it either. But I mean, maybe it was a way to try to get back into the news a bit. I, I don't know. It's weird, man. <laughs> Mike, I don't know if if you uh, have any thoughts on that. Like, like, do you do you see a reasoning on, on why that original decision would would make sense to you if, if you were part of Microsoft's uh, head team there? I mean, I I definitely uh, yeah. I, I like I said, I'm playing a lot of Hitman, so I'm not paying much attention. <laughs> um, I, I I honestly like yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like. All things, it, it made a lot of sense in the room, and and credit to them. Like when when they got the backlash, they they adjusted their plans. I think that's I think that shows you know some humility, which is good, and should always be kind of respected. I think, but yeah, no, I have I have no idea. There there are definitely conversations where, as a developer, you should listen rather than talk, and this feels like one of them. Like I'm, I'm just honestly, it's interesting hearing your reactions to it. Yeah, no, it, it, that's it's, the diplomatic yeah. way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and 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 you're absolutely correct on that too. There are a lot of, 
uh, talk and meetings and stuff like that in those rooms where it makes sense. And then you drop it out there and you're just like, oh, no, this did not go the way yeah. we thought it was going to at all. The you know, the important thing about it, though, was the fact that they they identified it quickly. They did listen to their community and they went and 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 took that back step. Hopefully, you know, from this. They just say, you know, guys, we don't really need gold. Let's figure out a way to all loop it in uh, into into the game pass stuff. So you don't have to worry about that. That again, that just puts them back in line with the Sony's and, and everything else that offer games. They have the subscription service. You get the online all package, you know, nice and clean as opposed to having it kind of segmented and 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 fractured. It just seems like it, it seems like a lot of different stuff to have to manage. I don't see why they don't just roll it all together and 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 call it a day. So we'll see what kind of moves they make uh, after that and and after this. But yeah, this is a foolish one. This was uh, uh, one that unfortunately it did not uh, it did not go over well for for Microsoft. Um, but again, they were they were quick to to uh, you know just just rectify what the issue was. So that is that is definitely pleasant to uh, see. So I'm glad it wasn't a thing for like. A, a month or something like that and people were getting charged and could I, that really would have uh that i mean overall that would have hurt them uh people would have turned on them quickly and you know how quickly the internet rages so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes but uh video game wise though we were talking a little bit about this earlier we've got uh and, and the demo now is out for ps5 but we've got resident Il- evil village or resident evil 8 uh, is now a playable demo on pre- PS5. We've seen some videos. We've only had trailers up to this. So the fact that people have gotten their hands on some demos, we're actually getting a feel for how the game uh, plays a little bit and whatnot. I'm not going to lie. I've never, I'm not a big horror guy. So I don't, I've never really gotten into the uh, Resident Evil series. But from what I understand, and I, I love storytelling. And this seems to have a lot more story than I even realized. Uh, the Resident Evil universe, at least within the video games, because I've seen the movies. And again, I got shamed for this because they said they, they got nothing to do with that, you know, any of that stuff. So, so shame on me. <laughs> but I was like, this looks good. It looks clean. I know some. I know there's a lot of people that are excited for this game. What about you, Lucas? Is this a, a series that's up your alley, or what are your thoughts on this game? I am excited. I I love a good horror game. I love playing it with the lights off. I love just like and I the funny thing is I get scared and with horror games really easily, but I still mm-hmm. go all in. I play it at night with the lights out and I just like <laughs> love the experience. The I love to torture here, myself right? for some reason. <laughs> Resident <laughs> you know, Resident Evil is a series that that I've always had conflicting feelings about. Like I I love one through four. Didn't care mm-hmm. for five and six at all because they went kind of more toward an action route than a horror route. And then seven mm-hmm. seemed to kind of bring them back closer to their horror roots. And this one looks creepy and fun too. Uh, so I'm really excited for this one. Like, I, I love that series. Don't judge the series by the movies, please. Yeah. Because those yeah. movies were. Um, <laughs> Special. I'll just say that. They were special. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It also looks too. Well, here's and here's another interesting thing that you can kind of if you've been familiar or know of the Resident Evil series, uh, it was the uh, it wasn't the is it the T-Virus that uh, originally Mm -hmm. is wasn't. 
Yeah, what is it? I think so. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, Umbrella, Umbrella Corps. Corps. Yeah, and, and it was always very much a, uh, you know, kind of, it very much felt like zombie-ish to me, where I feel like now they're going more of uh, into a supernatural route, which is really interesting to me. I feel like there's a lot of just different, different uh, ways that you can go, I guess, within the story uh, going this supernatural route as opposed to zombies, which I, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like people are kind of burned out a little bit on zombies. We've had a ton of zombie shows, zombie movies, zombie games, like give me that supernatural. I'm I'm glad I like, I'm excited for this turn. This gives me like, it makes me feel like I would have more of a chance playing this game as opposed to the older, more zombie feeling game, I guess. And it, it has been cool these last three to four years to see that franchise come back into the spotlight with not mm-hmm. only seven and village coming out, but the remakes of one, two and three. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just fun. Cause that was a series, like I said, through five and six, like they lost me in those games. Um, and it, it's nice to see that series almost find themselves again so i'm i'm super pumped for this um yeah as a, as a horror game lover this this one's high on my list yeah this will be what about you mike are you uh i know we talked a little bit and you're kind of in the same boat as me and, and you've been playing a ton of hitman um but what about just like <laughs> horror game <laughs> i i do think i do other things i feel the need um <laughs> I, you know, you know what I, 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 I like the look of it. Like I, I think I've, the thing that fascinates me with Resident Evil is how it's made the jump to first person. That's the thing that like just mm. immediately like intrigues me. That you can take a franchise. Very few franchises have like successfully taken have jumped genre. Basically, have jumped like presentation mm-hmm. completely. Uh, and it kind of speaks to I think how how much range there is, which is kind of your point as well on the on the supernatural stuff as well as zombies. Like Resident Evil has range, and it's it's kind of cool. It's cool to see a franchise that's confident in kind of doing that and, and kind of going in a, a bunch of different directions. And then, as you say, yeah, doing doing the doing the remasters, doing the reboots. I mean, those games are the the Resident One and Two remasters. Those are completely new games in terms of like asset production, mm-hmm. in terms of game development. Those are those are completely new games, and that's it's kind of cool. They can coexist in kind of those two different genres at once. It's um, yeah, I don't, I can't, can't think of many franchises that have pulled that off successfully. Yeah, you know, and I I think the other thing, too, that excites me is that we're starting to get into the season now where, you know, we're going to be able to start seeing the full advantage of these next gen consoles. Uh, The games will be able to, you know, they're going to be they're going to be pushing the limits as far as with that. So that gets me excited. Uh, That alone, you know, we, we were in that lull right now where the systems have come out. There's not really a lot of games out right now, hopefully. And I know that people are still having issues with PlayStation and stuff, but hopefully they're able to get more consoles into people's hands as these games start rolling out. And then and then that's when the real fun is going to begin with this next gen, uh, uh, the games and stuff like that. So we'll have to see about this. This is uh, this is definitely one that we'll be tracking again. uh, Maybe we can get uh, Lucas to shoot us some uh, uh, playthrough or something like that if he picks it up. So. It'll be inter- entertaining. If I do, be ready to see me scared a ton. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, we don't want to waste any more time. Let's take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back and talk to Mike. We'll be right back, guys. Yeah. 
and welcome back. Thanks for listening to that short message. And now comes the real fun part of the show where we chat with Mike. And Mike, let me just start. I love John Wick Hex. Like, it stemmed oh, originally because I love Keanu Reeves and I love the John Wick movies and the strategy behind Keanu that Reeves. game. Like, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the strategy behind that game just. Oh my gosh, mm. it was so awesome. Uh, so before we cool, jump to the solitary conspiracy, I kind of want to start with John Wick. How did you kind of sure. start with that project? Like where did you kind of get the the structure of that and how you wanted to, to see that game come about? So it was kind of a weird one where we were, we'd wanted to do, we'd done a lot of different genres. Like we've jumped all over the place with our games over the years. Um, and one of the things we'd always kind of wanted to try was something in that kind of strategy space. So we'd been messing around with strategy for a long time and kind of thinking about wanting to do something with that. And then kind of simultaneously out of the blue, uh, the folks behind John Wick uh, kind of came to us and said, hey, uh, do you want to do something weird with John Wick? And that was kind of the specific brief and pitch from from those folks was, John Wick is meant to be kind of a bit revolutionary. It's meant to do things that are different and be interesting. And when we've taken this to game developers, they've always pitched us kind of a very boring kind of John Wick game. And we want to do something a bit more interesting. Do you have any thoughts? And of course, we were already kind of thinking in this direction. So we could kind of present this idea and say, and we made like a little prototype. We basically took a prototype we were already making, put you know an image of John Wick on the front menu of it and presented that to them and said, look, we're making this game anyway. We think it would be better if we had your involvement, because we think we could learn a lot from you. And uh, and they kind of went for it and then didn't stop us, which was great. And then, yeah, just kind of built that in in collaboration, lots of flying to Hollywood and back uh, for, for a couple of years. But yeah, we made something I'm very proud of, like in that it is kind of this really interesting take on John Wick, I think. And, and I think the team's done amazing work. Is there a challenge when you're working with an established property that that's more difficult than when you're kind of creating a universe on your own for a game? Um, I wouldn't say a challenge so much as like a responsibility. Like you have to do well. I know it's definitely something that you're conscious of is you're playing with someone else's toys, right? Like you're, 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 uh, you're building things that, yeah, you're, you, you want to do something and make it your own. Of course you do, because we're none of it. None of us make anything because we're humble and lacking in ego, right? We all want to show off. That's part of it. But like I think, I think with with something like this, you do you do discover that you know you want to you are kind of you know, you, you want to leave things as nicely and tight, nice and tidy as you left as as you found them. You want to be a good guest. Uh, and in the John Wick universe, there are these people who've who've spent a long time making this world. They've spent a long time and a lot of effort. And kind of with that first movie, you know, really breaking out like in terms of a film that nobody kind of saw coming and saw the success that was coming except the folks that made it right and mm-hmm. and therefore you know you were stepping into that you want to kind of show the respect but then yeah in terms of process it is just a case of building something and then going to uh you know the studio Lionsgate and then also you know the people the filmmakers you know Chad the director the actors the fight team I'm actually weirdly by coincidence wearing t-shirt from 87 11 who are the stunt the stunt the action team uh from that movie who who like literally like t- t- took me in and tried to train me in some stuff they failed miserably i was terrible <laughs> but, um, god bless them they gave it a go you know um but all of this kind of collaboration that then leads to a an interesting game and you end up with something that yes we we could have made a kind of a strategy action combat game on our own but the qualities that that kind of those relationships brought to it and the kind of the help and support that they gave us was was fantastic but yeah it's it's mainly about responsibilities mainly about 
about like you know respecting the franchise because you know none of us wanted to be the people who messed up John Wick. You know we we love John Wick, so we wanted to do a good job. Yeah, well, it's crazy too. I, I haven't played it. I'm definitely gonna have to pick this up because uh, this is absolutely right up my alley. Something that just instantly is distinct to me is the art style and and mm. the colors. Can you? Yeah, can you talk to me a little bit about that because that is visually it looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, we we went a bit bold with it because because we realized you know with John Wick again like you've got a movie franchise that's kind of it's it's interestingly heightened but it's also kind of definitely like quote-unquote realistic so you're in kind of these these gritty uh you know city environments and then you have like really interesting light and really interesting kind of costume design stuff like that and what Mm -hmm. we what we felt as an indie team was we weren't necessarily going to make something like cyberpunk we weren't going to make something that looked beautifully high resolution triple a and with with lighting with the setup that would that would evoke the movie so we decided well let's find a different path into that and the path we took was well what would the really cool comic book of john wick look like or if there was a an animated if someone was really daft and made like a saturday morning cartoon of john wick uh, what mm-hmm. would that look like or what would a comic and and those kind of those kind of ideas allowed us to make something that felt distinctive and felt like it was its own thing and let us play into our strengths as kind of a smaller developer but then also kind of expand on the on the John Wick aesthetics uh, so we could do all of that cool lighting stuff and really cool bright vivid color and really cool kind of stylized character design and kind of find our own kind of angle. We wanted to feel like something that was an adaptation rather than us trying to emulate it because it is one of the best you know, shot action movies, uh, in my opinion, of the last few decades. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't a filmmaker, so I didn't want to try and copy that in a in a kind of a you know a visually representative style. It made sense to do something that was our own, and and this was yeah, this was our approach. So what you're saying is that we shouldn't expect a cameo from you in, in John Wick Four as as one of the people he fights. <laughs> if if uh, I, I he'd, he'd he'd take me out pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, I would be, I would be like the blur at the start of the fight scene. What's hilarious is like having kind of interacted with a few, a few of the stunt team, and and then like you know we were at the the premiere for three, uh, which was amazing. Like being at the you know, Man's Chinese Theater and and see, I don't know if it is Man's Chinese Theater anymore. It's got a new name, but seeing the premiere and all of that stuff. What's weird is you you start to recognize stunt guys, and it's ruined all action movies for me now. Because every action movie, I'm like, oh, that's that guy. Oh, that guy beat me up. That, yeah. guy, that, guy, that guy told me to work <laughs> on my on my foot placement. That guy's that guy's that. And you and, and especially with John Wick, you start noticing when they reuse stunt people. So you'll see like the same guy come in with like a fake beard uh, after yeah. he's been beaten up in the last scene. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of it's it, it, it definitely like it lifts the curtain, but that's not necessarily a great thing in terms of like your enjoyment of future stuff. But I can't wait. Like it's it's it was weird as a John Wick fan. Because we were in, uh, we were making the game at the same time. We started making it just after two came out, and we were around while three was in in the process. So, you know, I read the screenplay before they shot it. We were we were around. We never visited set actually, but we were kind of recording VO for this game around the same time as the third movie. And you know, we were seeing. I got to see the movie, you know, months before it came out, like in a in, in the studio and stuff. So we were very close to the film. Kind of, we were adjacent to it. We were. I was in meetings with the director, Chad while he was editing it so there was kind of because i was kind of around for the production of three obviously the entire movie was spoiled for me several times 
times throughout the whole process. <laughs> so I'm actually kind of, I know it's kind of exciting as a fan to know that I don't know anything about four. I have no idea what's coming up. Right. Um, and that's, that's really exciting to me. That's exciting just to go in as an audience member and be surprised again. That's because it is a franchise I, I absolutely love. Well, as far as with this and being someone that hasn't played it, how much does this kind of intertwine with the films and, and the storytelling that you're doing in the game? So that was a really, that was a tricky one to work out because the, the, the problem, or not, I guess not the problem, but like the challenge for a, for a game is that John Wick's a very tightly told story. That first movie, first movie happens. Um, it's like, you know, it's the return of this character. He takes out some bad guys. The second movie is the only thing that happens between the first and second movie is he finds out where his car is. Mm-hmm. Then you go into the second movie. Uh, that's amazing as well. Lots of amazing action set pieces. And then two leads into three almost directly. Like there's you know seconds in the gap. So there's not really any way to squeeze in a game, which was a genuinely right. like quite tricky challenge to work out. Like, are we just going to retell the movie? That seems like a wasted opportunity. So what we kind of ended up doing was almost like a prequel. So it's kind of setting up. It's it's a it's a it's a legend from John Wick's past. That was kind of our our approach to it. Is you spend the movies hearing about how much of a badass he was and what, all the things he's done. Um, and we kind of, yeah, we kind of dug in and chose one of those, what one of those moments might have looked like, what one of those stories might have been from his past. And that was, that was a nice way of saying up because it is kind of mythic. It was, a, I think the first meeting I, I took with Lionsgate, like one of my first questions was, so what's a gold coin actually worth? Like, I, I feel like that's going to be an important number for me to know. Because yeah. I see it. I don't understand your currency system. It doesn't make sense. It's yeah. never worked out yet. Can you, can you tell me the cash conversion? And they, laugh, they kind of laughed at me. And we're like, well, it's 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 worth whatever's cool. And it's it's a mystery. And it's kind of, and that's, I think that's a big part of what makes John Wick kind of, uh, what elevates John Wick is it, it's kind of mythic. It's kind of, there isn't necessarily, you don't have to explain everything in that world. And we didn't want, so we, what we didn't want to do a prequel that kind of established a big thing about his character. We wanted to kind of tell an episode, an interesting story. We've, we introduced some cool characters, I think, and some cool factions that feel like they make sense in a John Wick story. But it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely trying to lean into the kind of mythic mystery of the character without kind of revealing too much um, that, that kind of, spoils it you don't want to see how he got his you don't want to do the solo of um of john wick you don't want to see how he got his gun and the first time he met right. him McShane. and you want to kind of you want to kind of put those those put put, put something that's a, a bit more subtle in you know if, if i can jump gears to the solitary conspiracy which was mm-hmm. such a like i didn't know what to expect when i started playing that so it was like such a fun <laughs> surprise <Yeah>. like <laughs> Uh, can you kind of talk about the development on that and and how that game kind of came to be? So it was it was what what we've what we've done and we've done this a few times is is we have gaps in production. There's always these moments where um, you finish a game uh, and you 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 know do your post release support, do some DLC if you want to, or if the audience wants it. And then you're usually kind of either you've you've pitched something already and you kind of move straight onto it or you're kind of in the process of starting the next thing and you've got like a gap in your schedule. And what happens is, you know, that often that's why you hear stories about like, you know, large numbers of people being laid off of from big studios is it's they're in those gaps where they're not able to produce anything yet. And we always, we never wanted that to be something that happened uh, to our teams or to our company. Uh, so we actively came up with this idea of doing shorts. So there are these smaller games that we know we can make quickly uh, that use kind of the skills of the core team 
and and kind of plug gaps in our schedule and let us kind of get stuff out. So we did um, Subsurface Circular and Quarantine Circular basically existed because one game we were working on kind of got quietly cancelled. And then um, while we were negotiating the contract on John Wick, uh, we made Quarantine Circular as kind because of, obviously, as you can imagine, like working with a movie studio is a lot of, uh, the lawyers have to do the jobs. The lawyers have to do quite a bit of work in the, in the gap there. Um, and we found ourselves kind of in a similar situation again, where we couldn't start the next things we wanted to do yet uh, for various reasons that we don't need to go into. And we had like this kind of five month, four or five months kind of gap in our schedule. Uh, and that's that's where Solitaire uh, Conspiracy came from, was let's make something cool. Okay, who's around? Me. <laughs> like everyone else is busy on something else. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of me because I can code and I'd always wanted to like play with uh, card game mechanics and kind of see if I could make a fun feeling card game. And then bringing in uh, Jen, who's a character concept artist who I've wanted to work with for a long time, bringing in um, John, who's a composer I've wanted to work with for a long time, and kind of what can we get built in four months? And, and you know, with a little bit of help from a few other people here and there when we need it, and, and that's where Solitaire Conspiracy comes from. So it's a, it's it's kind of a, a simple game in a lot of ways, but at the same time, like, actually, I think we, we kind of overdid it in terms of, like, what you have to do with a Solitaire game. Um, as it evolved, we we thought about different things that we wanted to do. It's definitely like a consideration that we were making something during uh, you know a pretty tough time worldwide. So we had so we were thinking about like what can we make that's fun and maybe a bit relaxing, but also kind of cool. And I thought about like what do I do when I'm stressed? I put on like a Mission Impossible or a Marvel movie, just something that's fun and, and silly. And I thought, well, I could do something a bit spyy. Then that would be quite fun. Um, and what and what's kind of what what what's a fun way of telling a story? Well, no one's done like, well, for a little while, no one's done like a, a Red Alert style FMVs, kind of slightly over the top, hammy nineties FMV cutscenes. Let's get Greg Miller and let's let's put him in a suit and let's let's have some fun cutscenes with him. And we kind of just yeah, just kind of put those pieces together and 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 you know, it's 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 nice when you make a game, you don't know where how it's going to turn out, you don't know what where the game is going to take you in its production. But yeah, the game seems to be really popular. It's one of our most popular games so far. So people seem to dig it. When you spend that much time with these games and then you release it, what is that like for you? I mean, you know, I know that that games are are always a team effort, but being that that you're Mm. there from the get-go and and you're there with uh, some of the other employees the longest, when you do release that game, what's that first like 24 to 48 hours like for you? I mean, for me, the big one is just seeing kind of how players are reacting to it. That's the that's that's when I know I can sleep. Is we 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 tend to launch our games. I'm I'm British. Most of the team is in the UK, so we launch our games like in the early evening our time. So it's kind of morning West Coast America. So we'll usually spend the whole day like changing a pixel on like the steam banner art or something like just just like tweaking (laughs) everything like you know how it is like you've got you know someone cool coming over to your home and you spend the day tidying it's kind of like that it's like just everything has to be in its place you know we'll get this all sorted out and then and then yeah usually 6 p.m rides around and we'll have like the embargoed reviews will start to hit and you'll see those and like oh the first one's terrible they hated it and then you're, the second one's <laughs> excellent. They loved it. And you're kind of like, which way is this going to go? We don't know what this is. And then you start seeing kind of the reaction from players and stuff kind of coming through on social media and then Steam reviews or, or console reviews or whatever. And it's 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 that first six hours is the key question I have is, is, is anyone enjoying this? And once I see <laughs> that people are enjoying it, that's when I tend to just kind of chill out a bit. 
and and usually I start drinking at that point because um, it's a party at that point. Because <laughs> yeah. at that point now, then it's like okay, we need to take a break and chill. And then usually, yeah, the 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 next day is usually spent like okay, was there any bugs? Was there anything that like we need to fix? Um, and kind of solving those problems. Um, but we, we we generally, we do a lot of QA, so usually our games launch relatively solidly. But there's always one thing like where like someone's got, if you've got a very specific monitor or something, the game breaks. So we try and fix those nice and quickly for those players. But uh, usually it's just a sense of relief. Usually you've been working very hard on something and and, and yeah, you have no idea you know, how, how it's going to be received. Imagine if you spent four months working on an episode of the podcast and had no mm. idea if anyone was going to like it at the end of it. That's, you know, that's the short, that's the short version. Solitaire was four months, but like, you know, some of our games have been like two, three years and that's a long time to go. And you do, you take it to events and you, you see people liking it, but you're not sure if they would actually like it like a home or are they just liking it because it's a cool, fun, exciting room or, right. you know, you, you kind of, and you play test. There's lots of things, lots of check-ins you do on whether the game's fun, but there is still that complete lack of awareness going into launch day of if, if it's going to hit, if it's going to be something people like. And we've made games that are, you know, that are unanimously loved. We've made games where a niche really kind of attaches to it. We've made lots of different kinds of scales of attention games. And it's, you never know, you never know which is going to be which. And that's kind of exciting, but also obviously terrifying. <laughs> what exactly uh, kind of like going back to your start a little bit, what brought you into, you know, video game development and and building out this company and, and kind of getting into this genre? So we, we'd done, so I say we, because but at that point it was just me. So I, I'd done, I'd worked in games for a while. I made a game in my spare time called Thomas Was Alone, which was uh, like a platforming game, little indie, uh, it was little rectangles jumping around. And that was pretty well received. That was cool. Oh, you're on my webpage. Um, yeah, that was well received. So that, that kind of, I, and at the time I was just, I was working as a designer in, you know, a big studio and that game kind of put enough money in my pocket basically that I could go and try and start my own thing. So I quit my job and started a company based on this little game about rectangles that, that I think I've not checked the numbers, but it's like sold, I guess like it's getting close to 2 million units now, I think. So it's done pretty well, um, <laughs> which is quite crazy for I, watching any, whenever I watch footage of it, I'm like, really that game? That was the one that people, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not complaining. Um, but uh <laughs> But yeah, so that, that kind of set me up to kind of start a studio. And then that was that was about eight years ago now. And we've just kind of been making stuff ever since. And what's exciting to me is that that we've built a, a little team and we have people kind of doing their thing. And, you know, we we have, it's it's gotten a lot bigger than me, which which is what I always wanted. So, uh, you know, we've got a guy called Nick Tringali, who I was going to bring on the show, but he unfortunately got too busy. Um, he's uh, he's someone who came in as a, you know, as a junior, kind of just doing, he literally, his first job was modeling a ta- some tables for a, a game we made called Volume and has worked mm-hmm. his way kind of through the process and is now directing uh, a game uh, for us. So so there's a nice a nice sense that, 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 you know, the company's growing and it's kind of outgrowing me, which is exciting. Um, cause I want to retire someday. It's kind of nice to set yep. something up and let other people do their thing. You know? Uh, yeah. That's crazy too. That I did not realize. Cause I've totally have a friend that streams that was streaming that game. And we had so much fun <laughs> watching her stream that game. That is amazing. I love it. I love go. it. What, was it always your goal to kind of head down this side of game development? Like, like, did you set out thinking that 
that you wanted to own a company and, and be a game director and uh, play that kind of role? Oh, no, no. I mean, when I started, that wasn't really a viable option. So we, so I came up, uh, my first job was in the UK uh, working. When was that? That would have been kind of early 2000s. No, no, mm-hmm. mid, kind of mid, 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 to, mid to late 2000s, about 2005, 2006, I think I, I got my first job. And back then, like indie was, there were obviously indie games being made, but like there weren't, this was before like, I don't know, Super Meat Boy and Braid and kind of the, the indie renaissance that happened. Um, back then, like if you wanted a job in games, you were going to go and you were going to be like 300, employee number 300 at a big studio, right? right. Like, my dream was like, I want to go to Rockstar or Valve or like one of the big studios and be a, be a, a game designer, be a level designer. That was, that was kind of where I started. And that was definitely my ambition uh, as I, as I started in the industry. And then, and then, yeah, I, the the big one for me was a game called um, World of Goo, uh, which which came out. And I remember just playing it on my lunch breaks at work, like in between being a level designer uh, at the studio and playing on my lunch breaks. And then I, I guess reading an article or something that said it was made by two people from EA, two guys from EA made it in their spare time. And I just remember reading that and being like, we're allowed to do that? We can just make a game? <laughs> I don't have to be a part. I can just go and do that on my own time. And then that was kind of the the trigger. I mean, it, it didn't happen overnight. Like Thomas was alone took, I think I released about four years after that. So it was, it was not an immediate thing, but it, that was definitely where the seed was planted. Like I maybe, I maybe could do this and do this the way I want to do it outside. Because that's the other thing is when you're part of a, you know, a big team and a big studio, you're, you're, you're getting to have an influence. You're getting to make cool stuff, but like you don't necessarily get to make what you want to make. You make whatever is, you know, whatever is the big AAA franchise or the big thing. And, and I was definitely jealous of all of these these weird indie games that I was seeing starting to crop up. And I thought I could probably make one of those. Uh, so I tried um, and I got you know really, really, really lucky, uh, which is a massive part of, of, of all of these origin stories is always you know, a big portion of luck, but yeah, no, that was, that's how I kind of went into it. But yeah, no, when I started, that was not, that was not a popular option that wasn't available. Whereas I think now when I talk to students, I'll always ask students, like, are you planning on, do you want to go and work at like a, a big studio or do you want to go and do your indie thing? And it's usually about 50, 50. I'd say even nowadays, it's probably actually more people want to end up as indies than want to go and work in like triple A or whatever. And that's, that's crazy to me. That's that's incredibly weird and exciting, but also utterly terrifying. There's just so many people want to do it. Yeah, it's crazy because I feel like the tools to be able to do that have become a lot more commercially available mm-hmm. to people. Totally. So, you know what I mean? It it, it it makes sense as far as with that progression and whatnot. Um, and you mentioned students. What kind of advice do you give to to students or, or people just looking to get into game development or, or going down this route? What's well, like you said, the tools are there. Like there's there's an enormous like if you if you want to anyone listening to this who wants to could go onto you know Unreal uh, Unity, find an engine, and start making something. You know, mm-hmm. and and that's available to you. The, the the challenge right now is that it's really still quite hard to make a game in one of those engines. You can download the engine, but you're going to have to do a lot of work to kind of learn how to make a game in that engine. It's not like, say, you know, downloading a word processor and you can write some, like you might not write a good store, a good book in it, but anyone can write a book, right? Like anyone right. can type on a keyboard in a word processor. We're not there with games. I, I genuinely think we will be one day. And I love what things like Dreams are doing for that in terms of just democratizing that entire process. 
But right now, there is still that kind of technical barrier. So it's it's tricky, and it takes it takes a lot of work to learn how to do these things. But ultimately, my advice always is just start making games. It's it's similar to the filmmaker thing. If you want to be a filmmaker, there's kind of a diminishing number of excuses for you not to start just shooting something on a on a cell phone even like you can start playing if you, you know if you've got access to a computer which obviously is, a, is a, a big barrier but if you've got access to a computer you can make a game and it's going to be really really hard for a few years uh but but if you want it then it's 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 possible um so that's that's usually my advice is just start making games i think a lot of people kind of get fixated on wanting to come up with like their dream game you know like this is this is the game that i've always wanted to play uh, and they'll fixate on that game and they'll you know write documents about the game and they'll tell all their friends about the game and then years will pass and they'll be no closer to making that game because what you can't do is if you've got an idea for like oh here's here's an rpg i've always wanted to play you can't walk into a game studio and go here's is 200 page document on this is the game i've always wanted to make because they'll they won't want to make it. They'll they right. that's a room that's hundreds of people who also have a great idea for a game that they want to make. They're not going to make yours. So you kind of have to go and, and do that yourself. And you're not going to be able to make your massive big dream game immediately. You're going to have to start with something small. You know, something like Thomas was alone. Thomas was alone um, was the first game I'd coded um, to completion. Like I'd never coded a full game before. The file for Thomas was alone on my computer was called Teaching Myself Unity because it was basically a tutorial that got out of hand. Like I just started playing with things and, and it, it grew into a game. And it's made everyone who's ever had to do a port to a different console laugh their asses off every time they open it. <laughs> it, it's, 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 it, is, it is just a, a hobby project that, that went too far. So that's, 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 what, that's what I would throw down to people is like, go and make like Pong or like Tetris if you're feeling really advanced, you know, start small, start making games. Um, and before you know it, you'll start realizing what you can do or what opportunities are there. Or you might realize that you've got a friend who's like really good at art and you think that maybe if you kind of brought some of their art into the game, that would be cool. And you'll just kind of build from there. And, and it's, a, it's an organic process and it's a slow process, but it's, uh, it can lead to very cool things. So I think if nothing else, it's a great hobby. I think it's, I think that and I do know people who, who have, you know, what I would call a real job. But, you know, at the weekends, they like to, in the same way as, you know, all, you know, people used to go down the, the shed and, and whittle wood. Uh, there are people who right. go and make little games. I think that's absolutely cool as well. You don't necessarily have to want to start a game studio or want to sell a million copies. Maybe that's obviously that would be cool, but like mm -hmm. you could just start playing and, and prototyping and making little things for yourself and for your own amusement. And if you get good enough at that, then maybe you can amuse other people with those games as well. And that's where it does start to come into a business if you wanted to, or you can make little things and give them away for free. You know, there's so many, there's so many interesting options. It's kind of like, I think the comparison I always make is it's like buying a guitar. Um, it's mm -hmm. like if you could get a guitar for free, actually, because you can get an engine for free. Um, mm -hmm. like you could, you can play guitar at parties and be the, the guy who annoys everyone by bringing your guitar to every party, <laughs> or you can become a rock star, or you can become right. a hobbyist, or you can play for yourself and your family, or you can play at your local pub, you know, uh, on, on Sundays, like you can, you can, you don't need to, you don't need to want to be a rock star to enjoy a guitar. I think the same is true of game development. I think you can find out what you want to do with the tools and what you want to play with. You know, in addition to all the amazing work that you and your teams are doing, you're also a part of Play, Watch, Listen, which yes. is one of my favorite shows because of the mix of people that 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 you're with. So we we you know we had a lot on last year. You have Troy. I mean, you have 
all these different areas of game production. So I always find all of your guys' mm. insights just amazing. Uh, how did you kind of meet up with them to start the show? And, and what do you hope people take away from that show? Well, so to answer the second part, definitely like it's the thing I want people to take away is I think it's a really nice way of seeing game developers as people. Like I think the more, I like to think that the more you see kind of four nerds who make video games talking shit, I hope that that kind of shows you that like, you know, we're, the real people make stuff. And I think that changes your relationship to to the games you're enjoying. If you understand that those are, you know, those are human beings behind the thing. I think that's a, this is this is a really good video that someone uh, someone made for us, which I love. <laughs> the uh, yeah, so I, I, I like I think I, that's my main goal is I hope that we, we're humanizing the process a little bit. But in terms of how we met, it was it was actually John Wick. It was um, uh, Troy plays the villain um, Hex in in John Wick Hex, um, and Austin wrote the music, uh, and obviously I directed it. And we were we got asked to do um, a panel at uh, New York Comic Con. And we needed someone to host it. And I, I'd known Alana and known her work for a long time. So I was like, I'll get Alana to host it. And we did it. And I I guess she made like a mental note. I think she she said to us since that she like, she came off that stage and we went for, the, the four of us went for dinner after. And I think she just thought that's a good group of people. Like, and we all get on and there was a nice, a nice chemistry. And I think, I think the, uh, the streamer in her was like, this is content. This is content. <laughs> we can make this work. Um, and she, yeah, just, I, I just messaged us kind of early, early last year and just said, about a year ago, I guess we've probably been around as long as your show and said, Hey, um, this is, I've got this weird idea and I think it'd be fun. And it's been lovely. Genuinely, like it's just been really nice. It started as a monthly podcast and then, you know, the apocalypse happened. So we went to weekly, um, <laughs> and, and you know what? It's genuinely just been a lovely part of my, uh, a lovely part of my of my life. I look forward to it every week. It's lovely. Just hanging out with friends. And it's, 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 it's fun as well that we've been able to bring an audience along with us. But honestly, like I would still want to do it if we weren't filming it. It's just a nice, a nice group. And, uh, I love them all. I love it. I know that we're getting a little tight on time here. Uh, Mike, tell us future projects. What do we, what can we expect from you in, uh, 2021? Uh, so we've got we've got several things going on. I uh, can't tell you about any of them annoyingly, but they they're very cool <laughs> and, and 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 super surprising. Like that's the big. I think that's the thing. I always that's the answer I always give. But it's always true. Like you you wouldn't be able to guess what we're doing next. You would you would not in a million years uh, be able to guess what we're doing next. And that's how I always want to leave it. I always want. I always want to be surprising folks and, and, and yeah, every now and again, some I'll see someone on Twitter, like predicting what our next game is based on what we've done. And it's never right. And that, that <laughs> makes me happy. That makes me, that makes, makes me very excited that we're, we're crazy. Cause that's the, that's, that's why you build your own game studio is so you can be weird. I, if I'd wanted to do stuff that was predictable, I would, uh, I would have, you know, stayed in the, in the studio system. But as it is, we, we've been given this amazing opportunity just to continue randomly jumping from thing to thing and surprising people. So yeah, we'll, we'll make some stuff that you're not expecting. That's my promise. I love it. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining us, taking the time. We really appreciate it. Great to be here. Absolutely. All right, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend? My friend, let's wrap it up. Well, it's a football free weekend, so I'm going to jump into Something. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to play yet. Okay, to be perfectly honest, and I sound like a broken record, but 
I still play Super Mario 35 way too much, but I can I always justify it because I'm like, it's about to go away in a couple months. I don't have that much it more is. time to play it. And and I know I always say this, but it's the one battle royale game I can actually win. So I have to enjoy it. I'm just so sad that the one <laughs> I am actually good at, they're just like, all right, we'll say goodbye to it. <laughs> what are you up to this weekend? <laughs> uh, I'm back on that. I'm, I'm doing uh, Spider-Man. So I've got Spider-Man. Uh, I've been playing on the weekends and at, at night. And then I'm also running through the uh, Master Chief collection. So that's that's my plans as far as things and stuff like that. So nothing, nothing too crazy. Again, I forgot. I still need to uh, uh, go through uh, Ghost of Tsushima as well. So um, we'll we'll see what I'm able to get in and whatnot. But regardless, I, I, I'm excited to uh, uh, get these games in, finish up some more stories, and then as these newer games start trickling in, start getting picking those up, start playing that stuff uh, is exciting. So. Regardless, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate you guys taking the time. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces.